With a Freddy Krueger-inspired point-and-click game in Flash, Sean Tanner started his career developing games. With a very interesting story and a twist of events that brought him where he is today, he has been creating stuff for 20 years and counting. Now, all of those years of experiences and learnings come to a new mobile game he's currently working on. Sean, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for asking. Uh, getting ready for this. Uh, we've done a couple of other episodes at this point, and we've got to know very interesting people with very interesting stories, and I cannot wait to hear from you. So just to get things in perspective and, and just to know when uh, you got into this uh, world, basically, if you can help us taking us a little bit back in history. How do you start working on, on your first game and what were you doing back then to get involved into uh, game development? So I think I, I probably started working on games with Flash back in, I want to say 2001 or 2002. So I was in high school and, you know, I had been, I was starting to frequent Newgrounds.com and I just saw all the, the games and animations, uh, mostly animations at the time, but games were kind of starting around then. And, uh, you know, I saw all the cool stuff everyone was making. I really wanted to try and be a part of it. You know, I started with, like, when I got my first computer, I, I did some, like, HTML type stuff and, and whatever, but Flash was the first time I saw people actually making full-on games, you know, and that was something I'd never realized was was possible. I mean, of course it was. I mean, there were other, there was other software out, and there were, there was always a way to just, like, make an actual game on your computer if you had the right software and you were part of a development team or whatever, but Flash was really the first kind of thing that made it easily accessible that was like just uh, one program kind of an all-in-one package that you could just open up you could you could draw pictures you could just put code right on them and then you know with very little work you could just you know just have stuff moving around the screen so yeah so I got started um, around that time I spent a couple years just making really terrible things for fun. I, I made a mixture of games and animations, just to, mostly just to show to my friends. I, I, I wasn't trying to make anything out of them, but I think it was in probably 2003, I made my first like real game, I guess, which was just a point and click adventure game. I based it on the old like Nightmare from Elm Street series with, with Freddy yeah. Krueger for whatever reason. <laughs> so, I, so I did this game and I put it up on Newgrounds and it just, it got fairly popular i mean for the time you know I, I don't know the exact play count but i think i think tom had maybe front paged it and stuff like that and you know i was just i was having people play my game and comment on it and and talk about it and it was just uh it was it was amazing so since i put that out i just kept going and um you know for a few years i just kind of worked on like because back then it was never about money or anything i just everyone i knew just wanted to make cool stuff to show each other and um you know to get get a get the review score get people playing your game you know whatever it is so but yeah i mean i, I did that for a couple years and then it probably wasn't until uh let's see here i think in 2006 um so yeah so i've been doing just like dumb little games for a while there was a contest that came up in 2006 hosted by armor games and they basically had this thing where they were like make a game put your put our logo in it and then we're gonna vote on what we think the best game is it was like you know like a first through 10th place kind of thing would mm -hmm. and they were uh, giving out money and that was uh, that was my first experience seeing that there was uh, money to be made you know I never thought of it before it like obviously websites would host flash games and, and I know that the websites had ads and they would make money but there never seemed to be an entry point for just someone like me to actually make money so I thought I would try it out I, I made a game called territory war and mm -hmm. it was basically just like a ripoff of worms the battle mm -hmm. game um, 
So it was just, you know, just throwing grenades back and forth and, and using a gun and whatever. And I guess it got a lot of plays. It got a lot of good feedback. And I guess it was just because there wasn't really a version of Worms online that was free. Like you, you could just play in your browser like that. And I think that was got something that, that people wanted. And for me, it was just sort of like... The weird thing is I didn't even play Worms. I mean, I knew what it was. Like, that's what I based the game off of. But it wasn't even something I, I played. So to me, it was just kind of like almost like a tech demo where I just wanted to see if I could remake some of the stuff from the uh, from Worms. And um, yeah, so but I, I did that with Territory War and I ended up winning the contest. And so I got first place. I was blown away by that. And uh, I got... I got like four or f I, I, somewhere it was like three thousand or five thousand um, dollars for for yeah for doing that and um, I was like wow this is you know for just like basically a kid living in his parents basement I mean at that time I would have been I, th I think 17 18 somewhere in there mm -hmm. I was like wow this you can you can like legit make money with this kind of stuff like maybe this is maybe I can do more with this you know so from there I mean that and then I guess I kind of just kept going from there so we've we've talked with other guests in, in the podcast and some of them got their first approach to the software like the flash software to start creating things by an uncle a family or a friend mm -hmm. how, how is your case for this because you know now we live in a world where you can just google something you get it out of you know immediately right. but back in the day it was not necessarily like that how do you how was your first approach to the software i mean i i tried everything i could to Ba you know find out like uh, you know i was like how do you how do you get this program and i was just going around like all these websites and everything um and and while once i got to the point that i was actually before i even made money i did purchase a full-on um license for the game but before that you know like many other kids my age i just found a pirated copy online i couldn't even tell you where it was i just searched for it found it uh and i think that was the first program I, i'd ever you know pirated like that and it's, you know, not really something I, I like advocate for because I, I make my own software that I, you know, whether it's games or whatever that I obviously would prefer that people, you know, acquire the, the normal way. But, you know, back then that was just kind of like, uh, it seemed like that was how you got Flash, or at, le at least how you started with Flash. And uh, and there were people that, um, or, or, or I think Flash had a free trial. I want to say there was like a maybe free trial period for it. And it was just really easy to extend that into like unlocking the license. So, you know, because uh, I want to say Flash was like four or five hundred dollars, and you know, that wasn't very realistic for me because I, I think I just barely started working at a pizza shop, so I couldn't really afford to just, you know, blow half a grand on uh, this program. But, you know, so yeah, I think I started with, with Flash 5. I just found a copy on a website somewhere, and then after some time went by, it wasn't too long. I think, I think in 2006, like when I actually started making money with Flash. Uh, is when I bought the license because I was like, all right, well, yeah. I mean, this I, I can justify buying a copy of Flash for mm -hmm. for this stuff now. So that's that's how I went with that. What was your background going into Flash initially? Because for some, it's like the programming got their attention. For others, the as you said, right, the animation side, so the art side. Mm -hmm. What was your approach? You just wanted to create things, or you had some sort of background on on where you wanted to start? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, mostly just I wanted to create stuff, you know, because back then uh, I started with really, I, I'd make like really crappy HTML pages just to like, just for the sake of making something and uh, just to say that I could do it, I guess. Yeah, in terms of games, like it took me a little while. It took a couple years to get into games. You know, I, obviously I played a lot of games. I, around that time was a lot of Super Nintendo and then GameCube and stuff like that. And I'd never, like, I didn't think that games were really something I could get into because I'd always seen games as like, 
well, you got to work at like Nintendo or you got to work for a major company yep. and you got to like move somewhere and do all this stuff, you know, so <laughs> game games were kind of like out of the range for me. So with Slash at first, I just wanted to make animations. And then it was, I think when I was a sophomore in high school, like a representative from a local college came in and like offered a free programming class to like people that were interested. And so I signed up for that and I went and did that. And I, I did like during the summer, I basically just did a programming class. So once I took that class and then I looked into how to make games in Flash, I saw that there was an overlap. Like I could see that some of what I learned applied to how coding worked in Flash with the, the whole action script system. So I was like, oh, well, like maybe I can maybe I can make use of this. And then that's, you know, my first games were really just, they, they were not anything complicated at all. I, I was just taking like a giant list of, of true false flags and just like setting them all to true or false based on where you were in the game and just like checking them you know there wasn't really like much of a programming aspect to it but but yeah that was really my only background it was just that I guess I'd taken a course like one free course in programming and then I just wanted to make stuff yeah it, it seems to be like the approach for everybody like you just wanted to create stuff and this tool showed up and it was kind of the perfect combination to mm -hmm. start in the crazy world do you you're talking about your your first game do you remember kind of the concept or or the story uh, for that first game you created? Did you ever share that? Uh, like the first, first, first so game you tried to create? My my first, first game was so stupid that it's not even... Like, like literally all it was, it was just called Bottle Game. And it was just a game with a bunch of bottles on the screen. And you clicked each one and they blew up and it counted a score. And... Like literally the, the only thing that made it a game uh, to me was the fact that it, it, it took me like a while to figure this out because that was like my first thing in programming was that f finding out how to like make their make it permanent. So like in Flash, you could just you could put an event on something and be like, all right, if you click this, play this animation, right? Like that's a pretty mm -hmm. easy type thing. And so each bottle was just a little animation. You would click on it and it would blow up. You could keep clicking on it over and over and just keep playing the animation. So mm. it, it wasn't until I figured out, oh, I can assign a variable to this. And then once it's blown up, I can set like, you know, is blown up to true. And then when I click it again, it won't blow up. And like, to me, that was the game. I was like, oh, now the, the game has permanence to it. It tracks your score. That that was, I mean, that was really my first. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I showed that to anyone. So you know, I don't. I don't know if that like really counts as my first game. But I remember that being the first thing that I made that was interactive. That that I was like super excited about. We we've talked about this uh, in other in other episodes on how it's not just the creation side that keep kept people you know, motivated with Flash, but also discovering new things that you could do and then implementing them in your game. How was this process for you or just discovering the potential of Flash and how were you maybe sharing these thoughts with someone else or reading mm -hmm. maybe on like a Newgrounds or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Newgrounds was a huge part of that because, you know, Tom had introduced the Flash portal. So for a while, it was just Tom's, uh, Tom Fulp, he owns mm -hmm. Newgrounds and I, you know, just for anyone listening. But he, for a while, Newgrounds was just like his games and then like a select few other games, I think from other, from other people that he uploaded and, and showcased. But eventually, you know, Newgrounds kind of innovated this Flash portal idea where anyone could submit anything and people would vote on it and review it and stuff like that. And so that's when you really saw this kind of influx of content. And, you know, there's always stuff popping up. You know, it seems like every week or every month something would show up and I would be like, wow, I didn't know you could do this in Flash. You know, it might be an animation or something in with the programming side of things. Like I see someone make something that, you know, just, I don't know, had like a maybe a special effect to it or like they did something really cool with like physics or whatever. And I would just be like, like so amazed that you could actually pull that off 
And so that led to me, you know, even back then there was a lot of, like there wasn't YouTube quite then, but there was still a lot of online free resources for Flash. There's a website called Kirupa or Kairupa.com and they, they hosted a ton of Flash tutorials. And that's, that's where I think I learned a lot of like the basics of how to check for key input in Flash or how to do like collision detection in Flash. Like they, they offered a lot of that kind of entry level type stuff. So yeah, it was just that, seeing what people were making that, I mean, that just, yeah, just seeing everyone else's work really fuels you to try and um, better the, the stuff that you're making. So I was reading an interview you gave earlier this year about, you know, some games that kind of were relevant for you for Flash. And I was wondering if you had any specific game uh, or maybe a group of games that help you to just stay motivated, uh, learning, moving, developing, and, and just creating things I went from from Flash, of course. Yeah, like like I was definitely inspired by early just Nintendo games, the original NES, because that felt the closest to me to, to like something I could possibly make. Well, like one of my earlier successful series of games that people seem to enjoy was a, I made this series of escape games. So you were mm -hmm. just like trapped in different locations, like there was a car and a, a phone booth and all this different stuff. Those were just and in, in technically even my very first game, the the Elm Street game, was also kind of a point and click type adventure game. And those are really just inspired by old games like Shadowgate and Uninvited, which were just these on the original Nintendo, just these like screen by screen, you would slowly move, you know, you'd click on something, it would take like five seconds and load up the next screen. And then you would just like pick up items and put in your, in your inventory. And yeah, so that, that was definitely the inspiration behind uh, those types of games, because like at the time when I started making stuff, I want to say that it was, we, we were either in like a GameCube or PS2 type of era. And, and there was such a wide gap between you know what you see in flash and what you see on consoles mm -hmm. so like nothing like that ever entered my mind but i was just I, i was happy just trying to make just trying to make old games like that and obviously just any any game in that whether it was like a an old just like a mario game or an old school platforming game any anytime I, i was like well if they could make this 20 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever maybe i can try to do this so mm -hmm. i i guess I don't think there were a ton of specific games. It was just, in some cases, there were a few, like Uninvited, but in a lot of cases, it was just sort of seeing what people in the past had made and, and hoping that I could try to someday reach that, I guess. That's a good point. A lot of people seem to be attracted to that. You know, it's, it's a big part of the process. Mm -hmm. Kind of on the similar note, do you have any, I'm pretty sure you have a lot of them, but at least one you can recall that you finished something maybe after hours and you're like, finally, I did it. Yeah, there's there's been, uh, I'm actually, I'm scrolling through like some of my games here because it's like some of them are so old, but <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, when I made an online version of Territory War because mm -hmm. that was like, that was a brand new, completely new experience for me. I I'd had my original Territory War game, which was just like the Worms clone. And then I worked with um, XGen Studios in like 2008 to, to make an online version. And they had the server, basically the server-side technology that I could kind of hook into. Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of like, I'd never done that before. I was just, they, they sent me like a document that kind of explained their online, the functions I could call on the server to like pass data back and forth. And of course it took a while to do to get working, but eventually there came a point where I could connect basically start up two versions of the game, connect them to each other, move a character on one screen, and then it goes to their server and back and it moves on the other screen and then that was like a very big oh my god i can't believe i'm actually you know doing online gaming of course it was really terribly implemented but <laughs> and i wouldn't recommend anyone ever do it that way but for me it was a big milestone i bet i mean it was you know we were trying to put things in perspective but back in the day that was something huge when you know you're just used a multiplayer for this kind of games like yeah, all yeah, crammed up into just one keyboard right <laughs> yeah and and i mean i was i was lucky with what i was doing because 
I was basically making a turn-based game, so I didn't have to sync, sync up anything in real time. Literally all I did was, when you moved a character, I just reported that a key was being pressed to the other computer, and it would just start moving that character. And then when you, when you release the key, it would report that, and it would just stop moving them. And then when you finalized your turn, or sorry, after you, you released the key, it would just like sync up the position. So it was yeah. really bad. It was just that your character would kind of teleport all around, but <laughs> it didn't really matter since it was turn-based. So it, it, all, all that mattered was at the end of the turn, everyone was where they should be. So <laughs> whatever. Well, well, to be honest, in some games that still happen. That, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, 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 uh, I, I think modern games are much better about hiding it, but yeah, in, in essence, that is still what happens sometimes. Uh, yeah. It's still, we can see it and especially frustrating in shooter games, but sometimes still happens every once in a while. Sure. So I have a, just a question getting a little bit more into, I guess the business kind of side of this, um, mm -hmm. just to understand how it worked. But when was that, that moment from you? I think you, you talk about before, um, that you were just creating fun flash games to share with you know people around the world to become a developer <clears throat> and thinking this is my professional career you talk about that price but what about yeah. the months after that and, and making the decision of doing it your career yeah so so the way that worked was you know so i i had that that contest with armor games that, that got me that first prize money and So back then I would have been, I, I, I want to say I was like 19 or 20. Actually, I think I was getting ready to graduate college at that point. So I've been doing games for a while and I, I went to school for just a very generic computer science degree. Um, you know, my, my plan was that I would graduate and I would go to work at just some company, you know, doing, I don't know, doing database software or, or some kind of back-end, front-end service, who knows. That was really all I had in mind, and I was still doing games just for fun. But then, the, so the Armor Games thing happened, I, I made that that 5,000, and then graduation was coming up, and you know, I'm still living with my parents, and so I, I realized I'm, I'm in it, kind of live at like a, a key point of like, okay, if I want to do this, I got to make a decision on this. Can I make more games to make more money? You know, can I can I turn this into something? Obviously, I can't plan on winning every contest that ever comes out. You know, I, I, there was some luck involved with that. But just just to realize that there were, started taking a look, around, a look around and I see that there are more advertising opportunities, there's sponsorship opportunities. So I talked to Armor Games and they were like, yeah, you know, we sponsor games we can they basically kind of offered this thing where they would it was like this short term contract where they're like for the next i think year you know we'll offer to we'll we'll, we'll sponsor your next three games as long as they're within i guess kind of like a a certain quality range like i, I couldn't make just like nothing but they're like yeah heavily consider your next three games for sponsorship type of deal and uh so i did that and i talked to my parents i basically said do you guys care if i just live here for like the next year and just try to make something of this and um you know they they had seen that i'd made money from my previous game and I didn't bother them just living in the in the basement so they're like yeah we, we, you know we don't care go ahead and just do it do whatever you want so yeah so basically that next year I just worked on games and so I made more money with with armor games I put out a couple more um, I just did sponsorships and stuff like that um, and then you know things just kind of kept picking up from there like I obviously I I wasn't making enough to like move out or anything just yet but it, it was kind of like a snowball effect of, of different opportunities that came up so I had those initial sponsorships so when I started this this series of games called the escape series those got popular on another site called addicting games and they offered to sponsor them so I, I had this arrangement with them where they would they would sponsor the games for a similar price as, as like other games but they had a prize pool every every quarter they would basically take the whatever games on their website had the most 
most views for the month. They would, you know, they would set aside this certain amount of money and then take the top 10 or 20 games, basically divvy up this prize pool that's like, hey, your game got a bunch of plays, so here's like a bonus check. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I started making a lot of money from that because for whatever reason, they just whatever escape games they had up at the time were just really getting really popular. And so like I ended up earning more money from just that prize pool uh, type scenario than I ever did from the, their initial sponsorship. You know, that was just their their the thing that they could offer you was like, hey, we'll you know we'll sponsor this and we'll give you this prize money. So I started doing that, and then I I made additional money because I had I, I just put all my my own games on my own website. And mm-hmm. what I did with the escape games is that. Since they were they were point and click adventures, they had puzzle elements to them, and you know people would get stuck like on a certain puzzle or they couldn't find a certain item or whatever. So I would go to um, I I would make my <laughs> I would write the my own walkthrough for the game and put it on my site, and I would link to it from the game. So in the bottom corner, it was like, well, if you're stuck, you know, here's the walkthrough, and it would go to my website, and then I had ads on my website and ads on the walkthrough. So I also started making this side money from like people just coming to my site to see how to beat the game, and then then they would go play other ga- games on my site, and I you know I, I had that working for me as well. So it was like this just weird collection of just random stuff that you know that I, I guess like a, a strangely diverse like series of, of revenue opportunities that just kept showing up over the years. And so the final yeah. piece of that, I just want to say that's awesome. Oh uh, yeah, there's I, more. <laughs> and so the the final piece of that uh, puzzle, I guess, was that so when I actually did Territory War online, that was hosted mm-hmm. through XGen, and they had already had an economy set up for online games. So they had the Stick Arena game that they'd been hosting and running for at least a, a solid year, and you know they had they had a system set up where they were showing ads like in the game itself which which did end up being more of a thing for for flash like you could um like newgrounds had set up an advertising system and then there was like mochi ads and there were some other companies but um you know they they had this like they had very direct relationships with advertisers where they would place these like high value ads in as people were playing your game and then they, we also set up this like really, really crude microtransaction system. So you could buy like weapon skins in the game. You could get like gold weapons or silver weapons. And um, they already had this thing set up where people could buy their own proprietary currency called Xcash and then they could spend it in their games. And so if anyone bought Xcash and spent it in my game to buy weapon skins, then I would get a piece of that as well. That, that was the first time. And because it was an online game that you could, you know, people were always coming to play and battle other people and, and stuff like that. That actually turned into like a monthly revenue stream for me because, you know, it was just get, it was getting consistently uh, played so much. So yeah, so those three things together, I guess, was just, you know, sponsorships on games, running my own website with ads, the Territory War, like monthly income, it, it all added up. And, and over the course of a few years, it, it was actually to the point that I had like, I could move out of my parents' house and just go live on my own. That's awesome. And from there, you just took on full game development, right? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I just, that was, um, you know, it was always one thing or the other. And and I definitely had, like, don't get me wrong, I definitely had games that made, like, no money at all. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, uh, but but I had, like, I was really good with saving money. I was pretty frugal. I, I didn't move out of my parents' house until I had a, a, a good cushion for myself. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. going to just, you know, jump straight out or anything. But yeah, I just kept trying different games and I, you know, I made more escape games. I made another version of Territory War. I just did other mini games like in, in, yeah, like I said, some, some made money, some didn't. And it was just kind of like a mishmash of, of just trying to work on whatever I thought would, would work for the next, I don't know, five to 
five or ten years or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I can I did that pretty consistently for a while up until Flash started to die, I suppose. But that's kind of its own additional conversation. Yeah, actually, that's a point that I know it's very very uh, strong. But in a sense, it also started this this show, and and I know other interviews as well. So. We've talked about uh, Flash dying, and we'll also make the the explanation that it's not Flash is actually not dying, just the plugging for the browser, right? But sure, right, right. Can we still play your old games in your site? Are they still available? And if so, how how is that working? So thanks to a very talented gentleman named Mike Welsh, he uh, so Mike started this project called Ruffle, where he basically made a Flash emulator. So when Flash quote unquote started to die. It obviously took quite a while. Um, it, I think it even became kind of a joke because people were starting to talk about how you know mobile devices were coming out, Apple wasn't supporting Flash, and people would talk about how Flash was dying, but it clearly wasn't. You could still play Flash games everywhere. But it kind of got it in our in our heads that like, okay, maybe Flash isn't going to be around forever, that kind of stuff. And so, and I noticed it myself as time went on. When I put out new games, when I did, I did like a third version of Territory War. As time went on, each project I put out kind of made less money. It got less views, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, again. Again, some some games just don't get circulated that well. Some some games just aren't the same. But even mm-hmm. my like go-to games were getting, you know, they were earning less over time. That was easy to see. So I knew that was on the horizon. As time went on, and we got closer to, you know, what I guess you would consider the the end of Flash, or at least the end of the plugin. You know, a lot of conservation efforts started popping up. So you have some people who are just like I want to say there's um. I could be getting the name wrong. I want to say it's called Flashpoint or something else. They basically collected just a ton of Flash content into a big database that you could that they could distribute. You know the original files to people uh, that want to keep the games alive and and have copies on their own local computer because you can still play Flash games offline. You know, with your own version of the Flash player, it's just mm-hmm. the plugin doesn't work. So, so you had you know people basically collecting old content for for preservation. I guess on the other end of the spectrum is is what Mike was doing, which was he was basically reverse enger- engineering his own version of the Flash player that that would just play like you could the same way you would take like a ROM file for an NES game and feed it to an emulator uh, and play an old old game you know mike was basically doing this for flash games um and you know like it was crazy to me because like uh, you know in so in our friend group like i've had the opportunity to to work with mike on a number of small projects but myself and uh um, our our buddy swain mike michael swain and and some others we just we call mike the wizard because he just he always has like the answer (laughs) to for any question any programming question you could ever imagine mike seems to know the answer to it and so mike had told me about that and i was like well that sounds kind of crazy but I was also like, if anyone can do it, I'm pretty sure Mike can. So sure enough, he just like, he, he would, uh, he, he, over time, he took a couple of my older games and showed me what he was working on and he would show them like working in this emulator. And it was just, it was insane because like they started looking and playing exactly like the old Flash games. Like, it, you know, it would in the Flash player. It was like almost indistinguishable. I, I guess I should say that even before that, Mike had started a previous effort to work on a program called Swivel, which was also, it could record uh, flash animations and produce video files. So even that was a, a huge step in letting people create animations in Flash and like put them on YouTube because they could record yeah. them through Swivel or, or distribute them to a wider audience without the Flash player. So Mike had always been invested in uh, you know preservation conservation efforts of Flash. But yeah, but Ruffle was just like a complete like just a leap above all of that. Yeah, and so the way it works right now is basically Ruffle. I, I believe it's just a, a plugin, uh, not even a plugin. I think websites can just install Ruffle on their own uh, pages. 
and just have it auto load. Like they can just pull in a flash file and just display it, you know, right there in the page. I, I haven't done that with my own site because my site's just way outdated. Like it doesn't really get any traffic. So I feel like in the future, I will probably just, if someone wants to play my old stuff, I will just point them to Newgrounds where Ruffle is already integrated and they can see. Yeah. You know, it just working right there in the browser. Of course, you know, the caveat to this is that the emulation is not complete at the moment. Flash had this kind of divide where it moved from its original scripting language was ActionScript 1 and 2, which were very similar, and then it moved into an ActionScript 3, which is very different fundamentally. And that divide is kind of where Ruffle doesn't quite work yet. So it can load uh, and play games in ActionScript 3, but they don't, they, they just, I guess the codes behind the scenes, the operating commands are just a little bit different. So... But again, if, if I think if anyone's going to make it work, it's Mike. And I know that Mike also works with a, a group of super talented people. You know, they have a, like there's a Discord server for Ruffle. And I like I popped in there, you know, this was like last year. Because even for a short period of time, I was like, oh, maybe, I was like, this is an open source project. And there's this community building up around it. I was like, maybe I can contribute. But like, I, I quickly realized I was in far over my head with what was going on behind the scenes. So I was like, <laughs> I will just let... The actual smart people handle this and I'll just, um, I'll be happy to report, you know, if I find a bug in Ruffle, like one of my old games doesn't work, I'll let them know, but I'll, I'll let, I'll let them take care of the actual software for now. Yeah. It's, it's so important, you know, you know, to have all of this. While I was, uh, preparing for all of these interviews and I was going there and checking these games, there were some that I couldn't play and I'm like, oh man, I really wish I could play them. There's so much mm -hmm. history and development mm -hmm. and uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people that is listening to now will go and check some of those games they, they haven't checked before. The, the, the mechanics are, are very different to what, we're, what we have now, right? Uh, of course, it was everything in development, but you sure. can see, like, if you go through, you know, the, like the Newgrounds profile of any of the guests that we've had and you go from oldest to newest game, you can see the development, not just as an individual, but kind of as a group of developers that were creating games at the same time, mm -hmm. how they were getting more complex. So it's very important that we keep those things alive and we can just go back and play them. And the fact that you can play them in your browser also helps. Yeah, what's kind of funny about it is that like I, I it, it's almost like reinvigorates interest in Flash in a weird way because now that Ruffle's in development, it's it's almost fun to like put an old Flash game into it and see how it works to be like, mm -hmm. oh, does it, you know, it's almost like, um, I imagined a similar feeling to someone that made an emulator, like who was piecing it together, oh, and, yeah. and they want to they want to test all these old games and like, oh, like how does Mario three run on my emulator? How does how does Legend of Zelda run? So mm -hmm. now it's like I want to go back to my old my old Flash games or in, in other people's Flash games and just see how Ruffle is taking these games that are so different and do so many different things. I'm like and and just seeing how in most cases Ruffle does make it work and it's just crazy. But yeah, just just seeing the progress of the emulator basically is like my own renewed interest in Flash in a weird way. I think for, for a lot of people it's going that way. So moving into kind of the last portion of this uh, conversation, what what's going on with you now? What are, what are you working on now? Are you still using Animate? I think you said you're not using it anymore, right? No, unfortunately not. I, I'd kind of, when I saw my own Flash projects declining, I, I made an effort to branch out into other stuff. And so I kind of, I did one Xbox Live indie arcade game just to, to try it out. I mean, this was like five, six, seven years ago. So Flash wasn't even dying then, but I was just kind of trying to like get myself to learn other platforms. So I did that, but yeah, as Flash was kind of diminishing, I moved to uh, I moved to a framework called OpenFL, which was very handy for me because it used the language uh, hacks 
and then but it but it emulated like the flash action scripts mm. tools behind the scenes so like you mm. would the co- the coding style was was nearly identical to action script and how you would add um, graphics to the screen and work with sound and, and keyboard input and so that was really helpful for me and then OpenFL through hacks was, was also able to export for mobile devices and PC and, and all this stuff and um, and I know that some of that also exists through software like Adobe Air which for whatever reason I just I never really tried I never got into it I you would think that I should have because it was so I mean it was like direct almost directly related to Flash mm-hmm. but you know I just thought I would try something different so with OpenFL I made a game called Soda Dungeon and that was back in 2014 I think we published it in 2015. That's been actually my main project for like the last five or six years now. Soda Dungeon is available as a mobile game, iOS and Android. We also do a PC version on Steam. So we did Soda Dungeon 1. Again, I was fortunate enough that that it worked out for me. Through whatever channels we went through, it it gained a decent amount of popularity. And it just, it it was also able to produce that, you know, the additional revenue I needed to keep working on games. That isn't to say that was my first dip into mobile. Like I I tried porting some of my old escape games just like off the cuff to mobile, but they just, you know, the whole, the mobile marketplace is way different than online portals or steam or anything so you know i I worked on like two mobile games and put them out and just basically got zero plays like maybe a couple hundred plays or something like that so i realized that it it definitely wasn't going to be a one-to-one transition and just because i had people play escape games of mine on the web i couldn't just put one out on android and expect that people will find it you know so it's a totally different situation but yeah and then for so soda dungeon 2 uh we made a sequel to it we put that out last year i actually moved to unity for that because ultimately i um despite all the flash games i've made the small games and mobile games like it, it always has been a dream of mine to make like an actual console game you would just sit down you know with a controller and just play you know right in front of a tv and mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, for, so for as many small games as I've made, I've never really gotten close to anything like that. They've always just been kind of like, uh, you know, touch input, uh, mouse input, like you just kind of play in a little window in your browser and, and like that's it. So mm-hmm. I moved to Unity because Unity I know has uh, it has both pretty good support for mobile platforms, which is good for Soda Dungeon, but then also can obviously produce, you know, fairly high-end games for PC and, and console too. So I felt like that was probably the, the best move I could make for now. And so yeah, that, that's where I've been. I, I continue to work on Soda Dungeon and I have, I, I, I always have like projects on the back burner that I'm kind of playing with, but nothing, uh, nothing major at the moment. So um, I'm not quite there, but hopefully soon. Sweet. The secret's always there. So <laughs> yeah. for when they are ready, where can people find you and, and, you know, find more about your work as well? Honestly, the easiest place is just Twitter at A-N-P Sean, S-H-A-W-N. I know there's, you can do S-E-A-N, but uh, yeah. yeah, I pretty much just post to Twitter. You know, we do a lot of social stuff with, with Soda Dungeon for like on our subreddit and we have a separate Twitter account, but it's all very Soda Dungeon centric. So yeah, if anyone's interested in, in what I do in particular, pretty much just Twitter. I do have a YouTube account where I try to do game de- developer related updates like i've always wanted to try and motivate people to work on their own projects but doing videos is is so time consuming that i end up doing like one or two videos a year it feels like um (laughs) so it's not really my main my main source of communication but i'm trying to do a little bit there too but um we'll see how that goes awesome well thank you very much sean for your time really appreciate it and for sharing all of those Sweet details from back in the day all the way tonight. Yeah, of course. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. No, thank you very much. And yeah, for everyone listening, I will catch you on another episode because we're not done. And yeah, thank you. See you in the next one.